Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined as usual, or as sometimes in recent, recent weeks and months, by uh, Texas recruiting analyst Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Man, I'm feeling real good. You know, our boy Blake Bortles, 5 for 8, 37 yards and a rushing touchdown in the Jaguars' first preseason game tonight. So I saw the, the rushing touchdown. UCF tweeted it, and they said, they said the – and they put an emoji of like a sailboat? A so sailboat, a, right. Instead of, instead of the greatest of all time or goat, they call him the Bortles of all time or boat. Oh, okay. So a little inside joke there. I did not know that. Even even though, you know, whatever. I've known Blake Bortles since or he may, was like... Or maybe he's be- best of all time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. either, either or. <laughs> I was just thinking because uh, I couldn't figure it out. I thought it maybe it was a play on Bort. I was like, boat, Bort, surf Bort. Um, so... <laughs> and uh rob cassidy boy on vacation once again must be nice yeah. uh, he's in philadelphia so what did we do we went and got a, uh, our philadelphia fill-in dave lackford dave how's it going right back to work but i still smell like a vacation um, yeah philadelphia fill-in he's named dave <laughs> no no it's freedom bro it's freedom philadelphia freedom <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a parody. It's a parody, Dave. Come on. I'm not good at that. I'm a literal. Stop being so serious here. (laughs) Real serious. Got to take it real serious. I had it queued up. Now, All right. So uh, we've been at, we've, were we away last week? I can't remember what we did. No, last, the last podcast we did was, was met with uh, rave reviews as it was done late at night. Uh, You know, people were wondering, people had a lot to say about about Nick's performance. So Nick, uh, keep it up. The the people, the people loved it. So uh, we want to remind everyone, leave a review, tell a friend. We are on the precipice of our goal of 100 reviews heading into the season. And we have a big series coming up, I believe, not next week, but the week after uh, uh, to coincide with Rob Cassidy's uh, betting lines articles. We're going to try to do some special podcasts, actually have some real guests uh, other than Dave and uh, go from there. So. Let's jump right into it, guys. I had some stuff we wanted to talk about. Story number one. I don't know how much you guys paid attention to this. Several players at North Carolina get suspended, including guys going down for four games uh, for selling some of their custom Jordans on, I guess, on eBay or through Snapchat, I think some of it was. And they're staggering some of the suspensions. Of course, a bulk of the players being uh, from the Atlanta area, uh, sadly, for, for my hometown here, <laughs> including several guys we used to know closely. I could I was surprised. I, you know, I, I guess I knew this was a rule, but I mean, I wanted to get both of your opinions, but first let me give mine. The, the, the concept that like we just saw Florida switch to being a, a Jordan brand school and all we see is here's the shoes, the only place you can get these shoes. They're hyping up the shoes. They're hyping up this. Then they give the kids the shoes and the shoe. I could understand if it was like, Hey, you got to keep them for the first year or whatever, but it's like, so what is the, what is the rule on how long they can go without selling them? Because I know a lot of these schools will sell team worn stuff, not just from football. If you go on like fanatics or something like that, you could buy game worn jerseys uh, from actual players. They just take their names off the back. So, my question is, what did you guys think? I mean, were you surprised the the penalties were so harsh? Because I mean, four games for selling some shoes, get out of here. So, uh, so what do you guys think? Nick, go ahead. Do, well, first, let me ask you a question. So, so when they sell the um, when they sell the game worn stuff, though, doesn't the isn't that in like an auction format where the proceeds go to charity? 
No, no. If you go on, like, if you were to go on, uh, if you were to go on Fanatics and put in your favorite team, no, they just have the jerseys there for sale with the other clothes you can buy. The college teams. Yeah. Now they're not like starters. Or it's not like you know, if you're an Oregon fan, you can't go buy a Marcus Mariota because, like you said, that would be something they auction. But it's like some dude who was on the team. He wore the thing in a game. Probably didn't play. They take his number, and then he was probably like a walk-on who's not on the team anymore. Rather than give him his jersey when he left, they just keep it, and then they end up uh, they end up friggin' selling it. I mean, we both work for Yahoo or Verizon or whatever. You know, whoever we work for, they they <laughs> give us. Let, yeah, let's say they give us an iPhone. For Who work. do you work for? <laughs> that, shoo, that's a great question. It, there's lots of different answers for that. Yahoo it, Holdings, INC. Um, but but so we get a corporate cell phone. We can't just turn around and sell that, despite what you might do, Woody. We might we can't just turn around and sell <laughs> that phone on, on eBay to make a quick buck. It's the same principle. I, you know, I, like I understand if you're, if you're talking shoes, you can't wear them and then keep some kind of resale value. It doesn't work that way, but. You can't. I mean, that's just that's that's a real brazen move by those players. And you know what? I mean, how many games did North Carolina win last year? Yeah, four, I think. Yeah, they. So, so I mean, so I mean, you know, four four games off. You know, just they, they got to figure something out. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: Are we get we're given shoes for work by uh, our friends at Adidas and uh, our employer? Not me. You, Hook me up, man. Adidas, if you're listening, yo, where are my shoes at? Well, I believe I offered to buy you a pair of shoes, Dave, if you came play basketball, but you were too busy, you know, going home to cry under the covers with your mom or whatever. You okay, first of all, <laughs> I'm not crying with – that's gross. Second of all, I don't see my mom that much. Some of us, Woody, actually love our mother. <laughs> so forgive well, me. Here's So I, what my point is, would, would it be – would we get in trouble if we sold those shoes, Nick? What do you think? Well, I can't. I can't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I really want to say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, my point is, what's this? What is the? So what's the? So you're saying you're using the example of a phone. When I get a new phone from uh, IT or whatever, I send my old phone back. They don't just give me endless phones. So my my question is, you know. What's the what's the limitation on how long the kids have to keep the shoes before they're allowed to sell them? Is it when they graduate, or when their eligibility is up? What do you think? Well, here's what they should do. Here's a, here's a simple here's a simple answer to the question. If you're if you're if you're just going to sell the shoes when we give it to you, tell us up front, and then we'll work something else out that we can give to you that doesn't involve you getting suspended for four games instead. You know what I mean? Right. Simple mm-hmm. simple solution. I got the simple solution. I'm going to quote the warrior poet Noriega out of Left Rat Queens from the super group component Noriega hip hop group of the 90s. He said, you hate the law, then break it. I don't care. But when you get caught, remember that I don't care. So the moral of the story is don't get caught selling the shoes. Do it cash. But that's but there's no there's no way that you cannot get caught selling the shoes when they're custom, when they're custom shoes, right? I mean, the second somebody sees those out and they make them on Instagram or something like that, it's that's it. That's you know, so, it's a done so, deal. Nah, you're nah, saying nah, you can still do it. You just gotta let the person know. Look, if if these show up on Instagram, I'm going to the cops. I'm filling out a police report. You broke into my dorm and stole my custom Chad Surratt's. 
Oh, so you're so so Dave as a as a lawyer and as a former criminal, you're you're whoa, saying whoa whoa whoa, I'm a criminal <laughs> attorney. Thank you, prosecutor. Oh, sorry, attorney. Uh, so you're you're saying uh, you would you would say I didn't sell those. Someone someone took them from me. You Look, would just try to lie. As a prosecutor, I'm not allowed to give legal advice. So <laughs> so let's just consider this uh, life advice. Feel me? Yeah. You better yeah. hope they don't check the, those Venmo receipts. <laughs> well, do it on Venmo. Cash, man. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. <laughs> so my, my thing is, uh, would you say now these, these recruits that we deal with, they get free stuff at the five-star challenge. They get free stuff at the opening. And I think we all know that they've been known to sell the free stuff they get. And they get free stuff from schools on visits, which they're not supposed to get, and they will sell it as well. Do you think we could ever see this trickle down into recruits getting getting busted for something similar? Well, no. Here's the thing, though. Did you, you remember when we started the Rivals Camp Series, a, a deep dive was done to find the baseline as to like what the – uh like what 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 was I, I don't know how to say this like what like what we were allowed to give in every state or when i say we i mean like you know us and our sponsors or whoever every everybody involved with it was allowed to give the players for free uh based on based on state high school sporting association guidelines or or whatever and that's that's something that's determined by the state high school associations and once and once that's given to the players that's a third party situation in which they could sell after. This is a, this is a this is a different deal where all this stuff sounds like it should have been staying in house start to finish, right? Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I just feel like if you give me something, it's mine to do what I please with. That's what I feel. Now, do I think they should be selling the shoes? Probably not, because especially you know if it's like like our old boss Eric Winter. Hey, we're playing Wake Forest this week. I want the Jordan Thirteens on with the powder blue shorts and you know like we have that was why i know nick you and i were were crazy about keeping everything we had because you never knew when we'd get hit with a new shoe pants shirt you know combination that we had to wear to an event that doesn't happen anymore but i feel like i feel like it should be 12 months like yo we gave you the jordan fours for this season after this season is over if you want to do whatever you want with them, that's on you. That should be your choice. That's yeah, but they're, they're they're broke now, though, Woody. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. Understand. Hey, Nick, I was about to say that, and you stole my thunder. Great minds, great minds, right here. Well, I understand they're broke. Believe me, that's what makes it. Although I can tell you that, without getting without naming any names, I know some of the players that uh, got in trouble, and I know for sure they're not broke in terms of their family situation. Yeah. So that's makes it a little bit, t- but I, and I'm not saying, look, I, I think players should get their piece of the money, no doubt in my mind. Uh, but I, I just think this punishment was a little too, too s- severe Four games for some of these guys. I mean, come on, this, this is going to majorly, imp- I mean, Surratt was in the mix for to be the starting quarterback. Now we can't play the first four games. I mean, this is ridiculous for shoes. Yo, rules is rules. You're, the thing is, they got caught. Don't get caught. Or North Carolina could have just did what they did with the academic scandal and just gave customs Jordans to the whole entire student <laughs> body. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, the student body and the athletes were selling them. No harm, no foul. 
Made a special benefit. All right. So uh, moving on, Ohio State. Now, when the news broke last week about Urban Meyer, it happened the day we released our last podcast. Dave wanted to rush to the microphone. We got to do a custom. We got to do a special edition podcast. Emergency. Emergency. I said, nah, let's wait and see what happens because we're not going to know. We're just going to be speculating. And then given our luck, as Nick would attest, we would do an emergency podcast and then the situation would be resolved by the time we put it out, uh, as has happened to us several times in the past. So latest update is, you know, Urban suspended. They're investigating. The Ohio State said they were going to come out with a verdict within two weeks. Initially, when it first happened, I thought he's not going to get fired. Then I went through and read some stuff, some of the police reports and things like that. And then I said, he's definitely getting fired. Well, then he comes out with the statement saying, Hey, I passed everything down like I should. Basically, admits to lying at the to the media at, at Big Ten media days. They suspend him or, or indefinitely, or put him on leave of absence or whatever. And now they're investigating. It seems to me if they were going to fire him, they would have just done it. Some people assume that that Urban statement is more posturing to get all his money if he does get fired. So let's make some predictions. And if you guys have anything you want to talk about, we can. I think he's going to keep his job now. Uh, Nick, what do you think? I think he's going to keep his job. Dave, you're our, uh, our, our uh, Roger Cossack of the podcast, our legal analyst. What, do, what did you think? I mean, I'm sure you've been following it intently. Uh, you think he's you think he's keeping it? When it first came out, I thought he was keeping it. And I bet uh, Mark Ennis, shout out to Mark Ennis from 93.9 The Ville here in Louisville. He said he was gone. And I said, nah, he's going to keep his job. And I bet him with, uh, what, four to one odds. So I win 25 and I, I, I'm on the, I'm, I'm in danger of losing 100, right? But I was so confident that he keeps it because here's what it is. Uh, to quote, to quote uh, Last Chance you, you know, uh, America loves a winner. Now, Urban Meyer is a winner. And he's, if he reported it and he sent it up the chain of command, then he did what he was required from Title IX. Also, uh, what he, we spoke about this, and I'm, I'm not sure um, exactly if it even fits Title IX because um, his wife, Zach Smith's wife, Courtney, she's not a student or an employee or really affiliated with the university at all. So it wasn't a university student. Now, you said something to the effect of, yeah, but that shows a pattern. And since Zach Smith is a uh, representative of Ohio State, it could possibly um, affect someone that is affiliated with Ohio State. Am I am I understanding you correctly there on your team? That, that? that was how I interpreted it, yeah. Okay. But I mean, I'm not... Just is based on what I've read. You know, there was some new information. But ahead, ba- based on based on all that in principle, doesn't that why, why does this? And, and this is a very general question. Why why does that fall on Urban Meyer, and why does that not fall on the athletic director? Because why is it Urban Meyer's responsibility that if something happens at one of the assistant coaches in, in his house, even if he knows about it and he reports it, why is it his duty to act on that when the charge when when he uh, there was no arrest made, correct? Well, right, uh, but that's but that's a common misconception. Um, uh, and you, you said you said that it's his duty to report it up to the athletic director. And I think Gene Smith has gone on the record and said that he did that. So that's all Urban Meyer is required to do under. But even still, even still, why is that? Why is that even any head coach's responsibility? If he knows something's going on in 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 somebody's household, 
let, let's say let's say he was a let's say any head coach, not Urban Meyer, generally speaking, a head coach is just not a good guy in this hypothetical situation. He knows somebody's wife is getting beaten behind closed doors. Why is that? Why is it his responsibility to report that? Okay, because that's what Title Nine requires, and so the legislative branch or whoever it is that creates the laws made that the law, and he's under that umbrella. So that's his duty. He has a duty to report. It's the same way as if you, if let's say in, in, that you know that some kid is being abused by a parent, and you know that firsthand, right? And you don't report it, then you could be held civilly and criminally liable because if it's shown that you knew that that was happening and you did not report, you're required by law to report that. So if you don't, then you're held. It's not. It's not a moral thing. It's. It's a. But but is that but is that grounds to get is that grounds to lose your job though? Okay, Title Nine. Yes, it's in its. There are clauses in its contract as well. The reason this became such an issue, now, had it been on the record that Urban had reported it up from the beginning, it would be fine. But here's what happened: Big Ten Media Day. He came out and said, "I don't know anything about it. No, never heard of it. Fake news." Uh, who who would make up a story like that? That's what made it a big deal. Had it had he said, "Look, you know, we found we heard about the incident in 2015. He wasn't arrested or charged, so I, I sent it up the line. There was nothing we could do. When he got this latest charge, it was a pattern of behavior. Even though he wasn't arrested, and we just decided it wasn't worth it anymore, and we needed to get rid of him. Boom, we're moving on. The story never comes out." None of this ever happens. That's the thing. This was all avoidable. This is, is honestly is all Urban Meyer's fault because all he had to do was say what he knew instead of instead of lying and trying to make it seem like like the reporter was making up. Who who would do something like that? Well, it's because it's what happened. I mean, and now it's the, the problem we have is now you have people, you know, accusing even one of the recruits we talked to down over the weekend in Miami was you know essentially accusing you know, Zach Smith's wife of trying to get, get money and stuff like that. And it's like, it's become this big indictment on her. And then unfortunately when stuff like that happens, it, 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 it makes people who are, or her victims not want to come forward. And I think that's sort of a bad side effect of all this stuff. And Dave, you can attest, honestly, when I was on the grand jury here, I can tell you the number of cases that got thrown out because the victim didn't want to didn't want to come forward or didn't want to testify or wouldn't cooperate afterwards. How often do you see that happen when you have a domestic case when you're you know in there in the DA office? Well, I you know I try to be a reverend on this podcast and and in life in general, but um, this is a very serious issue and it's very dynamic and there's so many moving parts to um, domestic violence that um, I, I actually worked in Pennsylvania when I was at Bucknell at a woman's shelter um, and I they have a different way of looking at it than people do at the prosecutor's office. And the way that these people at the shelter deal with domestic violence is they try to empower the woman to make a decision to help them uh, not only evade the domestic violence culture that they're in at the time, but to make better decisions in the future. I had a domestic violence prosecutor tell me one time that a lot of these victims, they are always going to pick a, an abuser because their picker is broken quote unquote. So <clears throat> what you want to do is you want to empower these women who have been through these cycles of violence to make better decisions in the future and to get out of the dangerous situation that they're in. Because once a, once in a, once someone that's been abused, a survivor is what we call them, once they make a move to report this to the police or leave, the threat of death 
by the hands of their abuser increases exponentially. And that's usually when you see the death. So when a lot of times when you're in court and you, you'll see like a bond hearing going on and they'll bring the person charged with domestic violence out of the hold and they're shackled and they're in their green, orange or blue uniforms or their jumpsuits, you know, the witness will break down right there and say, I don't want to go forward with this. I don't want to testify. The problem is they've already got testimony on the record somehow. There's phone calls that have been recorded on the jail phones because every time you make a phone call from jail, it's recorded and you have the victim and you have the uh, defendant incriminating themselves and you can go forward with the case without that victim to even take the stand. You can certify the jail records and play them for a jury. So it's just, it's, it's a big mess. And a lot of times you see these victims getting blamed. Um, And that's a major problem. And that's why a lot of times uh, these the philosophy between the shelters and the prosecution are two totally different animals. All right. So, I mean, the, the bottom line is we, you know, we don't know what happened in their relationship. Zach Smith got fired for a reason. Okay. And so that's, that's not what we're litigating here, you know, uh, and, and whatever happens in the legal system with what's going on with them is, is outside of the realm of what we're trying to talk about. But, you know, the, the bottom line is this was a totally avoidable situation on a, from Urban Meyer's perspective, had he just, you know, told the truth, essentially. And I think, you know, in the way he's been so hard on people in the past saying, oh, if, if you have another cell phone you're using to recruit, you should be banned for life from coaching. It's like you can't come out and talk tough like that and then get up in front of the 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 media and lie. I'm sorry. Well, he, so he said, he said, if you lie to, you shouldn't be a head coach. He said that he's on the record saying that, but the issue is not whether or not urban, it, we're not urban Meyer's job is not at stake based upon what he said at the big 10 media day. What urban urban Meyer's job is on the line. If he did not follow the title nine protocols, which are once he has knowledge of the domestic abuse or anything that falls under Title IX, he has a duty to report it up the chain of command. That's it. If he did that, then he's safe as far as Title IX. That being said, he's still an at-will employee at Ohio State. So if the PR backlash is too so much and overweighs how good of a coach he is and the winning that he does and the recruiting that he does, they can make the decision to fire him. Now it's going to be an economic decision and there's going to have to be some money doled out because are they firing, firing him for cause? They're going to say, yes, he's going to say no. And like most civil suits, they're going to meet somewhere in the middle and settle out of court. So Uh, those are the, here's the, here's the other thing too. uh, I've, I've heard elsewhere too, uh, you know, kind of a discussion as to like, should he have, in, in regards to him lying at big, big 10 media days? I mean, I, I've heard, I've heard people say, how could he not be prepared for that sort of question? I mean, all this happened in, when did all this happen again? 2015, a, year, a couple of years ago, right? Right. But it was, brought, but I mean, he just fired the coach the week before the media days. So but because of this, because the order was, I don't think the order was, I, I, I could be wrong here, but there was a protection from abuse order filed by Courtney uh, Smith, and I don't know if that happened in 2015 or 2017. That's no, that was that was newer. Yeah, yeah, that, and that, that is that's the catalyst behind the whole entire thing blowing up. All right, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, if you're Urban Meyer walking into your 
your presser at Big Ten Media Days, even with even with that stuff happening, what like why do you have reason to think that that's going to be like why why do you have reason to think that w- within within that span of time somebody's filed a public records request and done a full background check on why this coach got fired versus uh you know versus uh you know just a just regular old staff movement or whatever you know and and then him, and then him having to come out and have some kind of prepared statement or saying no comment I, I, you know so. I have a theory on it, and I think in 2015, there was no arrest, right? So there was just a police report, but no actual prosecution took place, right? So what I think happened was he wasn't aware of the um, protection order, and all he knew of was a 2015 incident that never uh, went public and never uh, was prosecuted. And I think maybe that that's the only thing I can really understand other than the fact that he's just taking the, you know, Marine Corps drill instructor approach, which is, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. You know, my drill instructor used to tell me, if you come from a messed up house, you don't go out on the street and tell your business, you keep all that stuff indoors, you keep it in house. So maybe he was figuring that this was all in-house stuff that no one was privy to and, and didn't know about the protection order. I could be wrong on that. I didn't read Brett McMurphy's uh, Facebook post, um, but I, I do know that he went back and changed some of the facts in it too. So maybe Urban Meyer read the Facebook post and said, well, a lot of this is erroneous. He's wrong. And that's why I'm going to say he's making it up. Well, the, he said that before the Facebook, uh, before, well, there before you McMurphy. Go. There you McMurphy, go. Had, McMurphy had a lot of this stuff, but you know, I heard him on another podcast and he basically said, you know, when Urban said that stuff, that made me go back and, and dig even deeper. And that's where I got my information. So uh, I think one of the things that some of the stuff that got lost in the shuffle was, you know, one of the police reports from 2015 was marked as an arrest. And the uh, police department came out later and said that was a clerical error. So he wasn't arrested. So some of that stuff makes a big deal in terms of what McMurphy reported, which was he that he was arrested. Right. They said there was a box checked erroneously on the police report that said arrest. And right. they, so, they said so that should he, not have been checked. Right. But if you're as someone who used to do, you know, when I was in college, I did like the crime beat and I would go every day and I'd pick up all the reports and I'd read through them and try to find the, you know, most salacious ones and put them in the newspaper. Right. And you're going off that paperwork, you know, and the paperwork said arrest. You know, that's a major error from the police station. Absolutely. And he's protected in any defamation suit from that, too, because he did his due diligence. And all he has to do is show, look, this is what I based my information on. There was no nefarious intent here. There's no malicious intent. And what what I what what I reported was what my research provided me. And so, you know, he's safe on that. So do you think that I'm right then? Do you think that um, Urban wasn't aware of the protection order? And maybe I think Urban didn't know. No, I think he knew about everything, and that's why he fired him. And I think he try. I think he thought he could just gloss over it at the media days, and he messed up. He he could have just said no comment. Uh, I'm you know I'm not going to talk about that. It. It's a personnel matter. You can ask questions to the submit questions to the SID or the university absolutely. Title Nine office. You know, or and you know, what I- absolutely. And I tell this when I when I conference cases with pro se defendants, meaning defendants that don't have an attorney, they're not represented by legal counsel. I say, you know what, you have the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent so that so that you do not incriminate yourself when you talk to me because everything you say in this courtroom is on the record. And, you know, Urban Meyer's up there speaking without counsel and he's he 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 was impeached. You know, he told a lie <laughs> and they got him. 
All right. So we all think he's going to keep the job. I don't think it's going to have a major impact in recruiting. If they win this season, it's not going to matter. Cause like, as I said, the recruits we talked to, you know, they seem to be taking urban side and, and Rob and I actually kind of had a conundrum of, you know, do we write what this kid said or do we not? Rob, Rob decided to, to hold it. Yeah. Uh, I had a few kids. I had a few Ohio state guy uh, targets kind of hit me up. Like, you know, Dave, you're a lawyer. What's going to happen. And I'm like, look, man, just watch, just watch it and see what happens, man. Signing days either in December or February, so just I can't give you advice on that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right, so so moving on. Uh, big news this week was more of the Alabama quarterback uh, competition, which was created by the media, according to Nick Saban. Um, and Jalen Hurts came out at their media days, first time he talked in forever. I think it was the first time he'd really talked since. I mean, probably the national championship game when our boy Tom Rinaldi put him on the mic right after the game, which was, I still think was insane. And he handled uh, him, he handled himself like an expert at that time, by the way. No, he he did. I just thought it was unfair to put him on TV at that point. Sure did but, uh, right, though. Yeah, he did. So he comes out this week and basically says, I don't know if you guys watched this video. I mean, it seems like he, he seems le- legitimately hurt. Seems like. He said nobody from the coaching staff came up and talked to him about this QB battle. You know, obviously his dad said that stuff about he'd be the biggest free agent ever. And then Nick Saban came out at the beginning of uh, maybe it was at media days or, or a little bit before that and said, you know, these guys need to basically keep their mouth shut and the people around them need to keep their mouth shut. And, and I mean, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but it seemed like, you know, Jalen felt like he had been held back from the media and I'd heard, uh, I'd heard uh, some of the reporters who were there, you know, including our our boy uh, Tony, who works for uh, our Alabama site. It seemed like that Jalen was like, "Hey, you know, good to see you guys," <laughs> which you know, you know, you rarely hear that from somebody meeting with the media. So, what did you guys make of this whole situation? I really took it as basically Jalen knows he's not going to be the starter. I mean, that's that's what it seems like, and I felt like I feel like he thinks he might not have even gotten a fair shot to win the job. Uh, and the fact that the coaches didn't talk to him seemed to make him mad. Now he's not going to leave because there's there's really no upside to him leaving, other than you know he gets to he gets to sit out a year and be in someone else's system, which he could still do. I mean, he could do that all the way up until we we see quarterbacks transfer, you know, the day before the season. Because if you get to that new school in time to enroll in classes, guess what? You're sitting out the year. He's got a red shirt any year anyway, and he's got two years to, to, to play. So He's about to graduate now, right now at Alabama anyway. He's almost done. Right. Right. But, so, but, I mean, he could just not take classes. You know what I mean? Like, or not play and only take classes if he really wanted to. But I don't think he's that kind of guy. I'm just saying all his options are on the table, and he, he sort of sold that. So, Dave, you, you watched it. What did you think about, you know, watching that? And, I mean, are we to, are we to assume that Tua won the gig then? No, I, I got a totally different take from that from you. Uh, he, he said that, you know, the media has created this narrative that there's that's what Saban said. No, no, so what, did he did. He said there's already a narrative that's been established and, and and you guys are gonna run with it. He said that. He kind of parroted Nick Saban at times. There it was like he was going in and out of kind of saying that the media did it. And then he also what he what he said was to, to my understanding was that the coaching staff never came up and talked to him about the transferring because he told them. I'm not going anywhere. I'm about to graduate. I'm going to get my degree here. I'm on track to graduate early, so I'm not transferring. 
So they didn't talk to him about transferring at all. And then during the SEC media days, Nick Saban went on the record and said, they asked Nick Saban, is uh, Jalen Ross, is Jalen, Jalen Hurts going to be on the roster? And he said, I have no idea. And that's what Jalen was kind of talking about. He's like, when I heard that, it, it shocked me. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said, it kind of shocked me that Nick said that I'm not, he doesn't know if I'm going to be on the roster. I came to him and told him I wasn't going anywhere. And um, so I don't know that, I don't know that uh, he's really lost his job. I didn't feel like he was necessarily talking about uh, the coaches didn't come up him, to him and talk to him about the quarterback battle because Tua has been out all spring. He didn't even practice all spring. We're just going in, in you know, in, the, the series just aired today. You know what I'm saying? So, and I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a part of it, but we'll get into that in the armchair quarterback podcast about what's happening there. But I mean, why does Tua get to start? Tua, first of all, Tua almost threw a pick that was dropped. If that pick is is if that guy catches that interception, is Tua the starter? If if the the safety doesn't roll over there and cover two, or the corner doesn't mess up cover three and stays home and cover two. We don't know which, what the play call was. Was it cover three, cover two? But he got sacked. He gave up a terrible sack in overtime. So if they don't have a blown coverage and Alabama loses, we're not even having this conversation right now. So I, I'm not sure that two was the guy that's going to start. Two was a gunslinger. Jalen Hurts, you know what Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts is that conservative dude who's not going to turn a ball over. I think he threw, what, one interception last year? Well, yeah, but I mean, he's not. Let me tell you something. Jalen Hurts stayed in that game. Georgia wins by thirty. <laughs> like, so you have to factor that. Or, in. or, I mean, or if Damian, or if Najee Harris doesn't come in and give a spark, it wasn't just. It wasn't just. Uh, Damian Harris played like pretty bad too, and then they put Najee in there, and he started running all over the place. So while we're talking about how somebody performed in the second half of the national championship game. Why aren't we quick to put Damian Harris on the bench? Why is rivals talking about Damian Harris as the number one running back uh, for the NFL draft coming out? He may not even start next year. Najee might take his spot because if we're basing it upon the second half of the national championship, Najee Harris looked like the dude to me. And uh, Tua, Tua did not look like the dude to me. Tua looked error prone. Tua looked like fool's gold to me. He looked like a guy that the defense didn't, account for that the defense wasn't game planning for and he came in and with that touchdown he threw to tie the game up when he hit Ridley he just threw it into the pile and Ridley flashed across the middle and caught that ball so to me I if I if I'm looking if I'm grading that film Tua looked bad he just got lucky a bunch of times (laughs) I mean for real go back and watch the game so so I mean but bottom line is you know I mean at this point now how far removed are we from that game you know, at the, at, the, at this point, decision decisions shouldn't be made based on the on what happened coming out of halftime of the national championship. Absolutely. Game. I mean, at this point, so we based it on spring because Dua didn't practice. And, <laughs> you know and, I mean? and on and on top of, and on top of that, I mean, Alabama Alabama is the program that it is. But but bottom line, what no matter what level of football you're talking about playing, people people aren't always on a hundred percent every single game. You know, I mean, I I don't think that Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily like an elite level quarterback but um but but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he's not entitled to have like one one stinker of a half in his career I mean that'll happen you know so I think I think by now regardless of who said what now things are a little bit different especially when you know when the dad gets involved and starts making comments about you know what what kind of free agent he might be on the open market things like things like that but 
at this point now the the reset button should be hit and fresh eyes should be applied to every single player and and that game has passed and they worked out for him anyway they should be happy with it now now we're going to see what what goes on but a decision shouldn't have been made at this point right now based on the second half of that game and i totally agree with you and that's what i was getting at and and if you want to use that logic you know we say the reset buttons here we're basing it upon you know the spring practices and going into the fall if we look at the spring slate two was out two was hurt so really we were talking about mac jones and uh and hurts and mac jones looked good in the spring game did he not no, he looked great. Mac yeah, Jones. Let's, let's talk about Mac Jones, actually. <laughs> let's do it. He, he's the quintessential Alabama quarterback, is he not? He's Jake Fromm. Imagine if Jake Fromm don't flip to Georgia. We got Jake Fromm starting at Alabama, and then you got Fields starting at Georgia. But, no, stay on track. Mac Jones, go. Get it. We got Mac Jones is on this podcast. You ever listen to that interview, Dave? Of course. I've, I've listened to every single – Commitment Issues podcast, brother. And all my driving, look, every time I drove to all those camps over the summer, all I had was Commitment Issues on. So that, that oh, You were listening to back episodes, huh? I, was, I listened to episode one, brother. I went all the way back when he was doing, Nick was doing a Texas Roundup. <laughs> hey. he's, not, he's not just the best host, he's the best, he's the best fan of the podcast, too. Do, do you remember the early podcast where we'd ask something to Rob? What do you think? And he'd go, well, it goes both ways. Yeah, that's the long answer. answer. It depends. You know? Yeah, it, it's probably a little bit of both. Or, or I'd be like, hey, Rob, what do you want to complain about this week? I've got nothing to complain about. <laughs> I love everything. It's like, okay, Rob, can we – it took about 10 episodes to get Rob to finally start acting like himself and not uh, – pretending like he had nothing to complain hey, about. you got to get in the groove but rob rob definitely came into his own and um i think rob came into his own when he started just bashing everything like that was my my favorite rob is i'm bashing everything rob like i'm bashing i'm bashing the recruiting analyst who retweets a kid's tweet and then types exactly what the kid retweeting <laughs> that that makes me crazy too i'm on board with rob on that one too bad rob doesn't listen to this show he'd get to hear all this talk about him but uh all right, so so let's move on. So who do we think? I think I think exactly what's going to happen is he's going to play both. He's going to start Tua. Hertz is going to come in. They're both going to play all basically all year long. What what do you guys think? Uh, that's a good. That's I think that it's. I think that Alabama is the ultimate meritocracy in football. There's no politics out there because Nick Saban is the king. He controls his kingdom. He doesn't care what the media says. He doesn't care what your dad says on Twitter about you being the ultimate free agent. If you put his team in position to win, you play. So I think it's going to all bear out between the sidelines, which I love about Alabama, which is what we we sit here we talk all the time about this outside the line stuff. I'm a prosecutor. I deal with the 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 lowest, you know, the worst people every single day of my life, and I'm so tired of hearing all the scandal. Let it play out on the field, and I think that's what happens with Alabama. I think whatever quarterback is more efficient and is able to get him wins and money, that's who plays, and he may go with a hot hand throughout the season. And if if a guy's hand stays hot, I think that's who wins it out. And I think the same thing with Damian Harris and Najee Harris, no relation. I think that's how that bears out at the running back position. What do you what do you think, Nick? I I want to know who who's in the more advantageous position in this situation. The guy that ends up being the starter or the guy that ends up being the backup? Because who has the shorter who would have the shorter leash should one person not do quite as well as Alabama needs him to Imagine do? Imagine this. Imagine he starts Tua against Louisville 
and Tua comes out and throws three picks in the first half and are only up by three or, you know, I, I'll say the unthinkable, they're down or tied, he gotta, he's got to go to Jalen Hurts in the locker room and say, you know what, Jalen, okay. I'm going to put you in. Can you, like, can you imagine? How do you think that unfolds? Uh, I can tell you it's going to unfold. Uh, Alabama's defense is going to score four touchdowns off of Juwan Pass, and it's not going to matter. <laughs> it's not going to matter. <laughs> I can't wait till we start talking about Petra- – oh, man, the Louisville people are going to love this when I retweet it, brother. Okay, you listen. What do you – As I've, Nick and I have done this exercise before. Nick, what are your expectations for Juwan Pass this year? Uh, Juwan interception. Yeah, yeah uh. Juwan – yeah, Jawan. Uh, Jawan run. Yeah, Jawan a new quarterback. Jawan a man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we. Juana I don't think there's any. Wait, that's underrated. <laughs> Jawan a new quarterback. All right, Nick. I told you, Nick calls with the heaters. Like Nick's like a sniper, man. He's in the bush. One shot, one. Kill. I didn't say. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> Nick, you said, I appreciate that was, it. Uh, uh, that was my job. Buddy. Listen, Woody just sprays a bunch of stuff, and every now and then he hits. There we go. But listen, I don't think there's anybody who watched Juwan Pass play more than high school than me and Nick in, uh, from a recruiting analyst perspective. And that's because his team would always play on Thursdays. So mm-hmm. Nick and I could be like, yo, let's shoot down to Columbus tonight I feel you. And, watch, and watch Carver play because it's a Thursday night. We get down there in 90 minutes, go to downtown Columbus, have a nice meal, sit outside. I think we went down there with friend of the show, Zach McCann, one time. Remember that, Nick? Yeah, I, I think we went down, watched the game, then came back and went to Johnny's all in one night. Boy, those were the those were our glory days. Really, shout out, shout uh, out to all the high schools that schedule Thursday and Saturday games. We love you as analysts because we get to the everybody wants to play on Friday, but you Thursday and Saturday guys, you want us to show up to your games? Schedule Thursday and Saturday games, and I will be there with bells on. Guaranteed. Yeah, I thought, can, I thought Lackford was going to say shout out to Johnny's Hideaway. Which, I don't know what Johnny's uh, Hideaway is. Well, if you would have gotten into town on time for the five star challenge, you would have found out. So maybe uh, is, it, is, maybe, is it a shaky butt club? It it's like uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that depends means. on who you're talking about. I guess <laughs> in Philly, in Philly, we call it a strip club shaky butts. No, it's not uh, a no, shaky no, butt no, club. No, it's no, like no, a no. it's like a fifty sixty style lounge with a dance floor that that uh, that uh, has like a. Uh, one of those disco balls, and the, the crowd is aged anywhere from twenty-one to seventy-one. So, uh, hey, if you want to talk about us shaking our butts, though, that definitely happens. It's a shaky butt club for me and Nick, who've oh. been known to shut down the dance floor. Hey, hey, Woody, that's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> All right, now, listen. You want to talk about Kung Fu Panda? Yeah. Don't don't underestimate my dance moves. Nick can tell you. Uh, we're, we're crossing over podcast now. All right, so if. Okay, so moving on, <laughs> we, we got it. We're done with Alabama. Um, what about Kung Fu Panda? Because I wanted to elaborate on the Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> People to get the idea. If you don't listen to the other podcast, you should. It's pretty good. Based on the numbers, you don't. Uh, what, so what, he, what he's a big dude who's sneaky athletic, so I call him Kung Fu Panda. There we go. So the big news we had this week, which continues to pour in, is – Signee after signee from the 2018 class is leaving the school that they're at and getting their release. I noticed today we had Brant Lawless, who signed with Tennessee, uh, and they had a mutual parting of ways, I think we would say. They released him from his scholarship. He signed with North Carolina today. We had uh, Brandon Cahoe, which 
I believe everyone seems to call him Ale, I guess. And this was a, boy, you want to talk about a Twitter beef. We saw it was shots being fired across the bow by Andrew Bone. And uh, I was getting some pretty angry DMs from uh, a close friend of the show and former Rivals employee who was not happy with the Bone Zone for uh, essentially, uh, you know, some there were some discrepancies. And we'll leave it shout at that. Out, shout um, out to the Bone Zone. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, big shout to Bone. Don't mess, uh, who's don't all, mess with the Bone Zone, bro. Uh, well, <laughs> whoever, if you, if you want to have whoever was shooting you them DMs, let them know he got to go through me. To get to the bone, <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. Why, why do like, you like him? So, I, I mean, I like Bone okay, but why do you like him so much? <laughs> I don't, I'm just, I'm just talking. <laughs> so anyway, talking here. Cahill leaves Washington, says he needs to go closer to home. Washington gives him a release, and then he now it looks like he's going to Alabama. What the? You know what? So they gave him the release in good faith, and I think they're pretty upset that he's now going to Alabama. We saw we saw uh, Brian Addison, I think is his first name. He had signed with UCLA. He gets out of his letter of intent, or he gets out of uh, and they send and he goes to Oregon. So now they've got to play him this year. So this these are just some of the few. I mean, I'm I'm going through these for an article I'm working on. What do you guys think? I, I personally look at this and I see these guys like Cahoe who signed early in December, thought he was going to be able to get up there for spring. Turned out there were some problems with the way his credits transferred in. They kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And finally he had enough of it and basically said, I'm out of here. You know, of course he had some family issues as well as parents getting divorced and stuff like that, which has caused a problem. So yeah, welcome, welcome I to think, the early signing day era. You're going to see more. more. Right. Do you think that's what it is, Dave? And that's, that's my, question. I think that's a factor. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, what, what say you? I mean, have, have you had any Texas guys bail already? Mm, I haven't really been keeping track of that, what? so maybe I, my apologies if there has Wyatt, been. But... Wyatt Smock bailed from Vanderbilt. Remember that, Woody? Yeah. So, so Wyatt Smock bailed from Vanderbilt. We saw. And he's walking on the but, but 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 the now the but the early signing period is it's only six weeks earlier or something like that. I mean. The, I don't. I don't know if it. I don't know if we can say if 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 a guy had a let let let's say a guy had a divorce in his family and that motivated where he went versus where he told the school he was going to go. I mean, a, a divorce is something that takes longer than six weeks in a lot of, a lot of cases to get sorted out. I mean, I don't. I don't know if that. I don't know if the early signing period had had as heavy a hand in that situation. As, That's assuming that the divorce was the driving factor in. I think when we talk, for example, like when I was at Big 12 Media Days, a lot of people were asking about the new transfer rule going into effect. Right. Um, And generally, the kind of the response from coaches was at the end of the day, once you're not on my team, you're not on my team. I mean, that that was kind of what it came down to. So, I mean, whether or not like like if you if you let a kid go in good faith, uh, as as Woody put it, to go to a school that you mutually agree on for whatever reason, and he decides to go to another school. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, ha, ha, it affects you the same way. And, and even in a more positive scenario, if if that school is not on your schedule the following season, you know, so like, what difference does Here, it make? Here's why I think this: it's not a matter of six months. I think the early signing period gives coaches a lot of leverage to say, "Look, if you don't sign now." 
then we're going to go ahead and fill your spot with somebody that will. And so what you get is a bunch of kids who aren't really ready or um, actually 100 well, percent. But in t- but in turn, they let they let the kid out of his letter of intent, though. Awesome. I mean, and I think that's great. And I think that that's 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 admirable for the coach. You know what I mean? Good. And and I see that in high school transfers a lot too, where you know, these, at the end of the day, these are kids, man, and they don't know what they're doing. And also, if you're signing a contract when you're 17 years old, that's not even a valid contract. Your parents are signing it for you. It's not even your decision. So I, I, I admire any coach that lets you go free and clear and says, you know what, you can go to the crosstown rival. Because like you said, you know, you're either on our team or you're not. We're not worried about you. One, one recruit ain't going to make or break us. So props to those coaches because that's high minded. Um and and that's 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 all I gotta say on that issue. Well I got news for you. If I'm a coach, so I, I'll let the kid out. But if I'm UCLA or I'm saying look if you're going to Oregon, you gotta sit out you gotta sit out that's a year, fair. I mean you know? that's that's fair. That's totally fair. That's justice, right? If you're going to go to a Pac twelve school and you're signed to a Pac twelve school, then uh, you gotta sit out a year. But he's still gonna play you a year later so in the grand scheme of things why does it matter if the kids is how much of an impact is he going to make as a freshman (laughs) you know what i mean so it is what it is props to the coaches that let those kids transfer though i respect that a lot not that 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 means anything to anybody (laughs) but all right moving on real fast dave wants to talk about louisville uh for phenomenal louisville audience it's going to be loving this pete thamel uh our friend and colleague or i guess it's our colleague uh, here at uh, under the uh, Oath Media umbrella, works for Yahoo Sports. <laughs> wrote wrote about uh, Bobby Petrino being on the hot seat either next year, or possibly this year, depending on how they go. I think this is you. You pasted what he wrote here, right, about him being eight and eight in his last sixteen well, games. Well, th- yeah, this is like my take on him. So okay, so let's hear it, Dave. You got all right. Point. So in the last sixteen games, Bobby Petrino was eight and eight. All right. And um, a big issue that Thamel harps on is nepotism. So we've seen here in Louisville uh, scandal after scandal after scandal from the president mishandling funds to Rick Pitino's multiple transgressions to Tom Jurich getting fired because uh, he refused to um, fire uh, Rick Pitino under the new people who took over for Ramsey, who was the ousted president. And um, so a lot of the, the things where, you know, Tom Jurich had employed his son and his son was making a lot of money. And uh, apparently family was citing that Nick, uh, Pitino had some of his um, family members employed here uh, in Louisville as well. And so now Bobby Petrino has three of his family members employed on the staff. His his son, Nick Petrino, is the quarterback's coach. L.D. Scott is his son-in-law, married to his daughter. He's a D-line coach. And Ryan Beard is a linebacker coach. And they're all making combined $650,000 this year. So, you know, the, the media um, outside of Louisville, uh, because the Louisville media has been, you know, kind of divided on this issue. Uh, there's two separate camps. But um, the 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 overall national media has criticized the nepotism that happens here in Louisville. They say there's a lot of cronyism. There's a lot of money being passed around to people who, you know, really weren't vetted the way they should be vetted. And um, so the fact of uh, the nepotism combined with eight and eight in his last 16 games, and I think it's uh, Petrino's one in 11 against ranked opponents. And I'll mention that more in a tweet of the week when we get down to it. But if he doesn't win this year, is he on the hot seat? Because Jeff Brom is in Purdue, and he is recruiting 
all the top talent out of Kentucky. He's in Ohio getting four stars. He's getting top talent. And he's he's got a buzz. And, and he's a native son of Louisville. He played at Trinity, which is the powerhouse school here. They're nationally ranked every year. And a lot of people are, are saying there's a new there's a new AD here, Vince Tyra, and he is um, the new regime. And Bobby Petrino is the last holdout of the old regime. So a lot of people are saying if there's a target on Bobby Petrino's back, and if he has a bad season this year, and a lot of people are seeing him going six and six. I think uh, Woody Lee spoke about this, and I think we're in agreement that they go six and six. Yes. Yeah, I think we were talking over under. Yeah, seven. Seven is the over under, right? So if he goes six and six this year, um, is he out? And what do you what do you no. think? I think no, unless they know they can get Brom. I don't. I think it's. A, I don't think it's a no brainer that they can get Brom. I mean, you know, I understand he played there and everything, but you know, like you said, he's he's going to probably have a six and six team that he built himself there. And plus, isn't Petrino his, you know, mentor or whatever? He's going to come and 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 essentially push him out of the from, game. From what I've heard, well, sort sort wait 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 sort sort of what sort of what I almost thought Woody was going with this, and what I was thinking when you were saying this prior to Lamar Jackson coming there and giving that team a whole new, uh, you know, like like a whole new personality, a whole new perception. I mean, what like what was the reasonable expectation for Louisville year in and year Absolutely. out? You know, like what like why? eight and five? So eight so and five, third, so for him third in their in their division, right? So for, you, for him to for him to be on some kind of crazy hot seat, especially with everything that's gone on off the field over the past you know year and a half or whatever. I mean, like I'm not saying he should get a pass for everything that goes on with the administration and the board and Papa John and all that stuff, but. You know, I mean, like you you had you had a generational quarterback for your team on that roster that you you know, I mean recruited you, that for, you landed. You recruit you recruited, but you also kind of lucked into. I mean, but but prior but prior to that moment, I mean, who was ever saying that Louisville was some kind of, you know, powerhouse program that had sky high expectations? Well, here's here's the problem. Once Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy and then they folded down the stretch and got beat, they got blown out by Houston. They lost to Kentucky and they just laid down against LSU. So you had that Heisman winner in this like small window to really exceed expectations and you didn't. And then you had three new defensive coordinators you you hired pete sermon from mississippi state who was fired after they were like 110th in the country in total defense that year 94th in scoring defense and that's the guy you hire and then after that now you replace him with van gorder who you know got fired after he couldn't do anything with notre dame's defense that was stacked Ed jalen uh was it jalen uh smith or what was it the linebacker that, that got drafted that blew his leg out. Remember? Jalen Smith is his name, right? And and they, they had a ton of talent on that defense. And so the the rallying cry here is, you know, he's he's done. He's washed up. Let's get somebody new in here because you know what? We can be great. A lot of people right here say that, you know, Louisville can be like Oregon. You know, they they could recruit nationally. Um they're in the ACC now, and when they went to the ACC, a lot of the expectations got ramped up, and they 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 were on the cusp of beating Clemson. What two years in a three years in a row they were on the cusp of beating Clemson. They didn't. They beat Florida State twice, and they're like, you know what? Maybe we are slotted for something bigger. Maybe we are on the cusp here. We need to get over the hill, and so maybe that push is going to be. Um, 
Brom. Now, I will say, and this is ironic, with all of the scandal that surrounded Louisville here, Bobby Petrino has been a beacon of integrity. He has been a poster child for 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 being on the straight and narrow. He has had nothing wrong other than, you know, hiring some family members. So I think it's an interesting thing to watch. And um, I, I think it, it deserves monitoring going, going on. All right. Well, football coaches hiring their family members is not go take a look around the country. I mean, you know, Bill Snyder is a perfect example, basically trying to force his son to be the coach. And we've seen a lot of these father-in-laws. I think it's Syracuse has his son-in-law as the offensive coordinator. Bobby Bowden uh, had his whole family on his staff. Right. I mean, that was a huge deal at the time. I remember people hated his And you see where that got him. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, all right, that's the end of our Louisville hour. Uh, We might have Dave's Louisville uh, lasso or whatever because – Hey, Kentucky (laughs) Anna has a big fan base, dude. You're sleeping on the potential of the the potential fan base out here. You know, you could get a lot more follows. I'm just saying, don't be a hater, bro. Well, I'll rely on you. The last time they were on, they were on me was actually when Juwan passed was in high school, and I had uh, said I didn't think he was uh, very good. Bobby has a good track record with quarterbacks, and Nick Petrino did a good job coaching up these quarterbacks too. So you could say that he's never worked for anybody but his dad. But I mean, he's got a decent little track record with quarterbacks. Well, that is the one thing. Pass has had two years to learn under Lamar and under Petrino, and there's definitely a lot of physical talent there in terms of his ability as an athlete. Nick and I have just always been concerned about his passing ability. So, But, I mean, I had concerns about Lamar, uh, and not from – I always thought – believe it or not, I always thought Mar, Lamar had a great arm. Uh, you know, obviously people think that, you know, that was one of the knocks on him going to the NFL. His arm strength was amazing. We gave him the MVP of the Miami camp one year. Uh, my thought was it was going to take him some time to pick things up, you know, on the offensive stuff. And I think it did. He even said that first year he, he didn't even really know the plays. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. It fly. So, I mean, but he was just that special of an athlete that, uh, that ended up working out that way. So never know. It could happen again. So uh, moving on. Now it's time for Tweet of the Week. You better hope that mediocre money that you make at Rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. Uh, Dave, you said, do you have a tweet that's not on the sheet here or what? what were you, yeah, you go first and then I'll give you mine. Okay, I've got three, but I guess I'll cut it down to two. So the first one is from our friend and previous guest, Quincy Avery, who tweeted this. Trying to understand the logic with all the camp starting today off social media may or may not respond to texts. Nothing against you. It's just grind time posts. Because I know all of y'all still going <laughs> to be on your phone, and I guarantee y'all responding to all the same texts you responded to before. And it could be more true, right? Like, what, what are you talking about? You go to practice for two hours, so you're not going to look at your phone all day? All these kids do is look at their phones nonstop, right? Nothing. I'm not on my phone nonstop. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah, he's talking about the kids, not you, Dave. Every my, kid, my kids are on Fortnite nonstop, so no. Okay. Wow, that's a good point. That's a solid point. Yeah, good call. <laughs> All right. The second one was from our friend uh, and four-star recruit, recent Georgia commit, Ryan Trouble Davis. His na- uh, He retweeted someone named Ethan Owens. Ethan said, keep talking about my name. We finna have a problem. No cap. Uh-oh, no cap. That means it's serious. All right. And so Ryan Trouble Davis quote tweets it and says, stop it. You wouldn't bust a grape. In a fruit fight. <laughs> That's what he should have said. 
I enjoyed him saying he wasn't going to bust a grape. And then it went on and on from there of people talking about, you know, who would fight, who would win, who in a, in a fight against people from Texas and Florida. So, well, here's the thing. Ryan, Ryan Trouble Davis is, is from both places, first of all. And, sec- and second of all, when, you, when your name is, you know, when your name is Trouble and that's part of your name and you're telling, you know, and, and somebody named Trouble is telling you what's what, you know, that's it, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you don't want you don't want no you don't want any trouble from trouble. You don't want the smoke, so just let it. You don't want no problems, right? All right, so what's yours, Dave? Let's hear it. Well, well, hold on. What you had a little bit of Twitter thing going on today before the podcast? Uh, you talking about busting grapes? Who who would win in a fight between Kelvin Benjamin and Cam Newton? Cam, and it wouldn't even be close. I don't know, man. Kelvin got the reach, and he got that no, weight. And no, he, he does not have that. Cam is a monster human being. KB's taller than him. By what? Half an inch? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop Dave, it. Dave. Cam is huge. He's a huge guy. We've <laughs> yeah. both it's met him in person. He's huge. Yeah. Is, is KB not huge? Have you ever spent any time around Cam Newton in person, Dave? No, I have not. The only person I, I would compare it to is like Dwight Howard. The first time I met Dwight Howard in person, the sheer the sheer distance of like from shoulder to shoulder on Dwight Howard is unlike anything you've ever seen. And when you see Cam... When Camp comes up to you, puts his arm around you. I mean, he he's a monster. He's the size. He's the size of like you know. He, he's a legit six foot six, and and is all one hundred percent muscle. There's no Kelvin Benjamin. So, so you said KB KB's got some. He's a soft body. No, and then I watched him be a soft body. All Cam wanted to do was come up. If you haven't seen it, check my Twitter. I saw rivals okay. Woody. Cam came up in typical Cam fashion. Was gonna was was gonna dap up Benjamin and squash the whole beef. And instead, Benjamin act like like Rob Cassidy when he's mad at somebody and refuses to talk <laughs> to them. Uh, and that's what he did. And he he walked away. Wouldn't talk to him. Wouldn't talk to him. So guess what? Now we got problems, Benjamin. Now Cam's mad, and I can tell you something. Cam will never forget it. I mean, uh, I know Cam. I know his dad. I know his brother. That now it's now it's beef. Now we got beef. You want you want beef? We got beef now. So, uh, and then to the dude in my mentions who kept saying he doesn't respect him. Why should he shake his hand? Well, I wouldn't shake his hand. Well, it's like if someone comes up to you man to man and says, "Hey, let's squash the beef," you usually squash it, right? I'm I'm gar- I guarantee you that if that Twitter user, <laughs> if Cam Newton came up to that Twitter user like, hey, let's squash the beef, no matter what Cam had done, that Twitter user would be like, hey, hey, all right. Cam, first of all, yeah, Cam didn't Cam didn't do anything to Kelvin Benjamin. I don't know why Benjamin came out and gave that interview. So forget about him. He st- what did he say? What did he say in the he interview? He said if he had a more consistent quarterback, he would have been better. And blah blah blah. It's like, guess what? You were out for the season. And the team went fifteen and one and went to the Super Bowl without you. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you kind of did eat yourself All off right, the rock. See rough. you later. So, so what? Well, you tell me, Dave. What's the code of the street? We got beef, and then I come up to you, smiling to dap you up, and and then you leave me hanging. I mean, come on. To quote Prodigy, the warrior poet from Mob Deep, "If I can't bust his ass, then he getting shot." So that's the code <laughs> of the street. Right okay. There. All right. So, what's your tweet of the week? My tweet of the week was uh, in reference to the Pete Thamel thing. So shout out to Mark Ennis again. So Mark Ennis is like Pete. He he screenshots the um, article that Pete wrote where he says Louisville slipped from number thirty one in defense twenty three point eight point twenty three point eight points a game to number seventy twenty seven point four last year. And so Mark says 
Pete Thamel writing whole paragraphs about the heat on Petrino getting fired because the defense went from giving up 23.8 to 27.4 points per game is laughable. That's only 3.6 PPG. So then my guy says eight and eight in the last 16 games, one and 11 versus ranked opponents, right? So Mark says the ranked opponent thing is bad, but it's a little overblown. 11 losses. Six are the teams that made the college football playoff or a BCS New Year's Six Bowl. How good did you want the record in those games to be? Which is inherently a ridiculous question. So shout out to Twitter user Adam1255 who responds, I want it better than 1 in 11. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Well, your boy Mark Annis is quite, he's a little bit of a homer, wouldn't you say? He's a Florida fan. He, he grew up down in Tampa. His dad was a big Florida fan. He was a Florida fan. Then he moves up to Louisville. And you, you got to understand one thing about the Louisville media. And I'm probably going to be blackballed from this, but hopefully, you know, all this time on these podcasts gets me a national spot. And I don't got to be holding to Louisville media anymore. But the, the university runs the media here. So you're not going to talk bad on the university in Louisville. And Mark got to do his job. He got to feed his kids. He's got about seven. Um, so, I mean, shout out to Mark. That's my guy. I love Mark to death. Mark has me on the show all the time and he's a genuinely good dude. He's an earnest dude. I'm an irreverent dude. I'm not an earnest dude, but come on, Mark. (laughs) That that, that was, that was all, that was all semantics. He shouldn't have said, he shouldn't have phrased it. Like, what do you want the record to be? He should have just been like, it's an, it's an, you can you can understand why the record is what it is versus not what do you want the record to be to a right. fan. Well, right. But on Twitter, but on Twitter, it's a textual format. It's all semantics. So don't 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 you stick in you stick your neck on the chopping block. You're gonna get you're gonna get sliced <laughs> and diced. Or right, just like uh, just like the chickens, uh, just like the chickens. Oh, uh, all right. So moving on. Time for ransom recommendations. Uh, I'm the only one that wrote anything down here. You guys got anything before I get started on my uh, speed bump talk? You rant and I'll I'll follow off of that. All right, so here's my problem. My problem actually isn't with speed bumps, which, you know, can be problematic, especially if they're the the jarring kind. Here in Atlanta, because everybody cuts through all the neighborhoods because of these... uh, because of the traffic, they put in these, you know, speed breaker things. They're kind of like little humps or whatever, right? Uh, they're, not, they're not like your traditional speed bump. But I've been having this problem lately where you get behind somebody, especially in the morning. I'm trying to make it to Mr. Shut Up and Train. Got to get my grind on. Got to get there on time. On time is late. Uh, and you have people, you've already committed to cutting through a neighborhood, right? So you're in a hurry if you're cutting through here. And these people come up to the bumps and come almost to a complete stop before they go over them. You're in a giant, you're in an SUV. You can handle going over a bump at 15 miles an hour. You don't have to come to a complete stop. I don't got the, I don't get when speed bumps became stop signs. Have you guys noticed this happening? It's happening to me all the time now. I'm losing my mind over it. Why buy a $40,000 SUV if you can't have a little bump in once in your life? Same goes for potholes. People swerve. I almost got a head-on collision the other day because somebody swerved into my lane to miss a pothole. Like, you know. Yeah, that's a that's that's a failure of diagnosing the lesser of two evils. <laughs> right. right. It's like oncoming car or speed bump. Which one is economically <laughs> and physically gonna do the most damage to me and my car? Right. I'm gonna go with the oncoming car. All right. So Dave, what do you what do you got? All right, well, my rant actually fits into yours because I am so sick and tired of in-the-way people. 
There's just people that are just constantly in the way. And today I had an in the way person holding a child. So this in the way person has reproduced to make another in the way person. So there's a door, right? And the purpose of the doorway is ingress and egress to get in and out. But slow people, in the way people think that a doorway is a chill spot. Like we're going to hang out in the archway of the door like there's some kind of earthquake going on and that's the safe spot, right? So if I'm trying to walk into a room, the courtroom necessarily, um, and, and and you're standing there with your child in your arm, all right, and I'm busy. I got, I got like 80 cases on the docket. I got things to do. I got to move. You're just standing in the doorway. Why? That is the place where people are going in and out. You're just standing there. So, so what I say is, I say, excuse me. And apparently, when you say excuse me to someone, that means just stand where you are where I can tort my body to slither around you and your child to get to my business. So doorways, people. If you see a doorway, go through it and leave a hole for other people to go in and out of the doorway. Don't just stand there in the damn doorway. That's my rant. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, real, real quick too, if I could just uh, tack on my first of all, first of all, Dave is right, and not only that, they are a fire hazard too, which is some kind of, uh, I'm sure, some kind of state statute yeah. violation. Uh, second, you know what I mean? second of all, also thinking thinking about Woody's situation, you know who else I hate are people that come to a complete stop before turning right off the road or turning left, whatever oh. it may be. Uh, the, those are pretty bad too. Just roll through the turn, man. It's cool. You can do it. Uh, and, la- and last real, real quick update. I opened the show saying uh, Blake Bortles, five of eight. He was actually six of nine. Very nice. Wow. Or Blake. Oh, oh, to the boat. You were right. The boat means best of all time because my son, Jace, who's a ninth grader and <laughs> thinks he's the best of all time, says to me, dad, I'm going to get a boat tattoo on my right arm. It's going to be a pirate ship. And I'm like, oh, you're going to get a Sailor Jerry tattoo? He's like, no, it's for the boat because I'm the best of all time. Guess who's not getting any tattoos while he's living underneath the Maru? How many tattoos do you have, Dave? Uh, That's a personal question, man. You got to have to buy me some drinks and get me liquored up before I start (laughs) showing and talking about my tattoos. Charge. So... Uh, real quick, just to tack on to what you guys were saying about, the, you know, at the airport, and Nick will attest to this, Dave. I we just, always talk about the airport, bro. Listen, <laughs> we spend so much time in airports, and that's fine. Everybody knows it. It's horrible. When, when people get in my way, when people stand in the way, I say, "Yo, get the f out of the way!" Out loud, like I don't, I don't play because I, my theory is the only way to teach people lessons is to let it be known, and so. There was a guy blocking. The, there was a guy blocking. The, there was a guy about to get on the escalator down. These two women came up, decided to ask him directions. They're sitting here having a, you know, a meeting of the minds right in front of the right in front of the escalator. I go to get on it. They don't move. And I, you know what I said? Hey, get that bleep out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I got an airport story for you, real quick. Yeah, you know the sorry. you know the moving sidewalk thing. Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so so there's this old lady on it, right? So I'm in the Philly airport, right? I'm coming home from somewhere, and I'm sitting there waiting on the on the uh, the bus to come, right? But instead of going out in the heat, I'm up in the terminal because I know when the bus is coming. So I'm sitting up there reading my my book, right? And I see this old lady; she's got a walker, right? And she she realizes that the the moving speedway is about to end, and she does not have the capacity to to dismount. <laughs> 
So she starts going, no, oh my God, no, no. And she falls right on her face, right? And her, her husband is behind her. <laughs> and so he can't get out of the way. He, she's in the way. She's an in the way person that she can't move. And she's laying there and her husband falls right on top of her. So they're just sitting there sandwiched. And I'm thinking to myself, do I have, and I, this is when I'm in law school, right? So I'm, I'm still in torts class. And I'm thinking to myself, my legal mind is saying, what if I go to help them up and I hurt them more and then I get sued because I actually exacerbated their injury? So I like I instead of helping them up, I ran down and got a TSA agent. Oh my god! Wow, boy. It's, it's a good thing Title Nine wasn't involved with you, Dave. In that <laughs> yeah, you might you might be disbarred right now. Uh, but the, the sheer look of terror in her eyes. And I, I'm a dead soulless person inside. I really am. It was just, it was just outstanding human theater to me. I'm like, man, I, and I started thinking, like, you know what? I'm not going to quit smoking cigarettes and drinking beer because I don't want to get that old where I can't dismount off the moving as, uh, walkway. Like, I'm done. Like, if I can't do that, just go ahead and put one in my brain and and and, and spread my ashes over a lake somewhere. I'm done. Okay. Uh, great checkout. I've got a great story to follow up on that, but I just realized we're at an hour and 15 minutes, and this, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. So. Uh, I will tell that story another time about an old lady falling at the airport and me laughing at her. By the way, my, my mom, you can count my mom, speaking of which we were talking moms earlier, my mom has a very hard time uh, dismounting the walking moveway, the moving walkway, uh, which they, – They got courts. Like you could get on a golf court and I'll drive you. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, I, I yeah, don't – Don't remind me. Yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> All right, so that wraps it up. We will uh, hopefully be back with a new episode next week. Like I said, we are working hard. As soon as Rob can write those articles, we're going to try to get some guests to come on, and we're going to do over under. It's over under season. We're gonna we got games coming in like two what, two weeks, the twenty fifth. What's the date today? The ninth. That's sixty yeah. days until the first game. Wow. We got we got we got the 49ers on the TV right now. 49ers and the Cowboys. Well, it's, it's I don't cool. watch. You know, I don't watch no preseason games. Man, I watch two old ladies throwing the football around together at the retirement home right now. I'm so starved for football. <laughs> Let's get it. All right, so that wraps it up. Big shout to M. Deuce, who continues to grind. He's going to miss the premiere of uh, my movie at the, at the film festival. Come on, M. Deuce. Cancel your work trip. Come to the show. Even though he's already watched it probably four or five times, so uh, he doesn't need to be there. But there better be popcorn, by the way. Cottage Grove. I'm putting you on notice. That wraps it up. Uh, be sure to leave us an iTunes review. We are now sitting at 96 ratings. All, not all of them five stars, but they throw out some of the bad ones. So our average is at five stars. Please help us get to 100. That's the goal. We're trying to get some better placement on iTunes for the start of football season. So uh, that wraps it up for us. Thanks to Nick. Thanks to Dave. We'll be back next week.